Hello and welcome to the Generous Marriage Podcast. Hi, I'm Ziv Baviv. And I'm Shachar Erez. And today we have a couple that are interviewed here, actually fellow podcasters. Hello, I'm Andrea and Rich. Hi, how are you guys? Good, how are you? Good. Uh, so you're from the Long Distance to Marriage, from Long Distance to Marriage podcast and uh, all over from longdistancetomarriage.com. And in your podcast, you share your story about a relationship uh, that was long distance and how to overcome all sorts of things around that. Just let's start just by painting the picture of your backstory to the podcast. Okay. Hello, everyone. Um, so yeah, Rich and I actually met as teenagers. We were 17. We met online, actually on a music forum. Um, I asked a question. Everyone was giving me the answers I didn't need. And Rich was the only person that responded with kind of the right answers for what I was looking for. I looked at his profile on the page and thought, oh, he's English. He's going to have an adorable accent. This will be great. So we just became really good friends talking back and forth. We always kind of knew there was definite romantic interest there, but we just stayed really good friends um, throughout the years and kind of the romantic interest grew. We had a failed attempt to meet, um, but eventually after six years of kind of being friends and talking off and on, we were able to meet. Um, I came out to England and spent a month with him and his family. Well, it was supposed to be two weeks. It was supposed to be two we weeks. Doubled we doubled it. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it just kind of, it all kind of took care of itself. Rich was able to come out and spend six months in America with me and my family. Um, and in that time we got engaged and it was all kind of a, a whirlwind and, and quickly thrown together. But um, in 2011, I moved out here and we got married. And ever since then, we've just been building our life together and um, figuring it out as we go. Yeah, on. making a lot of it up as we go. <laughs> right. So, so you had a few years of long distance, but actually not like a couple, just being friends from long distance. Yeah. yeah. So once we were, um, once we met, it was a year before we got married. Um, but we we were so fortunate. We were talking about this the other day. Like we were so fortunate with our scenario because. I was freelancing, so I worked at home for myself and Andrew was a teacher, so she had all of summer off. So she visited, like I said, for two weeks and then we doubled it and it, we were able to double it. And then we had between summer and Christmas long distance again. And then Andrew came back out here for Christmas for two weeks and then kind of spontaneously decided I'd go back with her. And I, we were originally going to be for six weeks. And then it became six months. Again, I was freelancing, <laughs> so I was able to just kind of work wherever. And we stayed for the six months. And then during that time, we applied for um, I the, applied. Oh, yeah, yeah, Andrew yeah. applied for the engagement marriage visa, um, which gave us three months to get married here. So then we came back, had all that arranged, had a really quick, um, <laughs> very well arranged. Andrew did a fantastic job arranging that and she wasn't allowed to work during this period of time either so um, my job was to plan the wedding <laughs> yeah un until we were married and then they have to uh, kind of verify that marriage for the for the next visa in the process uh she wasn't able to work and then there's two years and there's a final stage of the visa which could work she could work during that time uh, so yeah it was a yeah, very... so until we were married and, and kind of proved all the paperwork then i was able to get a job so i had a six-month vacation planning a wedding and hanging out <laughs> Wow. But it was, you guys are so it was, uh, it was, positive about this all, uh, like uh, the whole journey, but in it, you had like, like three different gaps where you had to 
be very far away from one another. It's easy to be positive looking back. You know, I mean, it was a long time ago and the... We had the right outcome. Yeah, we did. It's so, so it's really easy to look back and kind of forget the difficult periods and kind of the, the darkness <laughs> certain well, days held. The, but... the thing that we talk quite a lot about on our podcast is the, the challenge with long distance, especially international long distance like we had, is your relationship is kind of in the hands of politicians. You know, it's up to someone else to say, yes, we'll give you this visa. And I think in more recent years, that's become more difficult. So over in the UK, they've increased the salary requirements that you have to have to, to qualify. You have to have some nice savings. You know, so we were very fortunate. Um, we worked very hard to do it, but equally, you know, my family was supportive enough that Andrew was able to live with us. And I think it's up to someone else to approve that visa, to change immigration laws and all that. And it's, it can be completely out of your hands whether or not you're, you're allowed, you, you have to get permission. Yeah, I mean, I have vivid memories of, you know, us, like, we knew we were going to get married and we knew that we would probably do a, a, a fiancé visa to help us close the distance, but we hadn't planned getting married. So when, when Rich proposed to me, it was very much a traditional surprise. Oh, my God, this is so exciting. It wasn't a business arrangement necessarily. Yeah, but then it's, um, now what? But yeah, so I, I remember feeling really kind of upset in a lot of ways that, that first stage, maybe the first month. So we got engaged and pretty much the next week I was putting my application together, getting all my documentation ready to send off my application to, um, to the UK border agency. And I was, I had this, I couldn't get excited in the way I wanted to, that I thought most girls got to do when they were newly engaged. There was this kind of cloud over it all. And I remember my brother was getting married and we went to his wedding and saw all of his family or all of our family and they were congratulating me. And, and I was having a hard time letting that sink in because I felt like until I get that answer that yes, you're allowed to come and live in this country. You can marry the love of your life. I didn't feel like get excited. And then the minute I got it, it only took about a week because I, I paid money for it to go faster because I couldn't wait. Then it was like, Oh my God, we're getting married. So it was almost like there was a, a few weeks where I didn't actually know if we were allowed to be engaged. Yeah. And that was really, really hard. I really struggled with so that. There was a lot of stress because it's a lot of paperwork, a which, lot is, of money. which is daunting <laughs> at the best of a lot of money. And then there's the bittersweet thing of we're engaged, which is great, but it also means moving. Yeah. So and, I, I and had that, I had that going on also in the background. And a lot of people ask, I, I don't know if I've, have either of you been to England before? Yeah. <laughs> and I know you, you at least lived in, in, um, in Berkeley, so you know California. I get the question: Why did you leave California, Arizona, to come see? <laughs> uh -huh. And a lot of, the, I mean, there was a lot of reasons for it. But one of it, one of the reasons was that it was a lot easier for me to get into England than it would have been for Rich to get into the states. So there's a lot, uh -huh. a lot longer process, a lot more steps involved, like interviews and visas. At the time, I just had to fill out very detailed paperwork, send proof, like phone bills and letters and photos to show that we, we had to have an interview too. That wasn't, a, that wasn't to do with the, the visas. That was, was just, the, no, that was to do for the marriage license. Um, but that kind of came down to it. So we, we didn't want to be uncertain anymore. We didn't want to be back and forth anymore. And the quickest way to do that was for me to come here. So yeah, once, once it was all sorted, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, like the emotional uh, hurdle of uh, managing a relationship when you're remote. Um, because you had an happy ending and even though you had to go through logistical uh, barriers, uh, you managed to 
jump through those hoops, which I'm, I'm very happy for you. Um, can you like try to rem- put yourself in, back into your own shoes back then and uh, tell us how, how can you actually manage when you're remote and what, what's the hard part of it? So I think the, there's a balance between communication and over communication. So we were, um, we were in this really interesting period where this was 2009 and 10 was just before we, you know, closed that distance. If you cast your mind back to then, um, the iPhone was new. FaceTime didn't exist. Um, Skype. Skype and really, really poor quality webcams and stuff. And the reason I mentioned that, you know, Snapchat didn't exist, iMessage didn't exist. It was hard to communicate like it is today. So now we we hear from our listeners and say, they'll have FaceTime on 24 hours a day. And it's it's constant. They they try and treat it like they live together. And I think I think we talk about how that can maybe sometimes be a bit too much because then you no longer have your own individual lives. But we didn't have that option. So we, we were able to talk every day and we, we were able to email because yep. our phones had just got emailed. email. We weren't even texting. We yeah, were we emailing didn't. back and forth all day, every day. We could text, but the cost, it was so expensive to text. Because iMessage wasn't like what WhatsApp it is now. WhatsApp, even Facebook Messenger wasn't so really. So if you've got young listeners who don't, didn't experience that time, it was a different world. So we were able to communicate, um, but without over-communicating, I, yeah. I would say. So we... But what that then necessitated was a degree of empathy and compassion. So it was making time for each other. And it meant, you know, if Andrew had a particularly difficult day, I'd need to say, okay, well, I'll call you now. You know, and I'd I'd drop what I was doing. We also have the challenge of time difference. We were eight hours apart. Um, Obviously, depending on people's distance, if you're only a couple hours away, you're not likely to have a big time difference. But, I mean, that really required... um, kind of being flexible. I mean, I, I worked a day job, I was teaching, I had very set hours, Rich was freelance. So a lot of times, you know, if I had a rough day or I just felt like, you know, I really need to hear your voice today. You know, I just really miss you. He'd be up until three o'clock in the morning because it would be evening for me. And then I'd wake up at three o'clock in the morning to talk to him before I went to work because it was late morning for him. I mean, it was very confusing to my body yeah. clock. <laughs> but, so yeah flexibility communication and i think we also gave each other a lot of space in terms of um trust you know there wasn't any jealousy of where were you tonight you didn't do this tonight but i also think that we it, just our circumstance you know we were both so dedicated to, to pursuing this relationship from the get-go that there was no question of, of trust i know maybe mm-hmm. some couples might find that different but i guess when, when you're looking at a relationship that has 6,000 miles or even 1,000 miles distance, if there's significant distance, you don't typically go into that kind of relationship looking for something casual because you know you're going to have to completely change your life, make big sacrifices, and again, be flexible to make that work. So I think if you are looking for something casual, that is really daunting and it can put a lot of people off and think, oh, if, uh, not looking for that. That's too much. But I think kind of touching again on the finding the right balance of communicating and just the way you think about it. I know what Rich was saying about, you know, you can communicate in so many different ways now on so many different platforms and we didn't have that. And in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm really grateful for that because I knew, you know, from very early on that I would be the one moving. And if I had been able to just have constant communication with Rich 24 seven, 
I would have lost out on a lot of those final months in that last year with my family where I knew I was going to leave and I wanted to have as much quality time and memories made in that time going up to me leaving as I could. Obviously I was still checking my emails 6,000 times a minute, <laughs> just checking that he wasn't coming through, but I, there was still a boundary, which I think is important because in any relationship of any type, you still need your own space and your own time. You, you know, you need to still have your time with your family and yourself. One of the, yeah, one of the things we, um, we talk about regularly, I'd say on our podcast is we, we disagree with that, that phrase, you know, you complete me. We say really you should complement each other rather than complete each other. And we advocate that you still have your own, you are two individuals coming together. So we, we like to have our own, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, we spend almost all of our time together. Especially but, now. <laughs> but we, we still have our own hobbies and friends and things. And, and we always advocate that to, to our listeners because if you kind of go down the line and worst case scenario when you get divorced, you, you see these couples where they don't know who they are anymore because they, own, they, they see each other as, or they see themselves rather as the couple. And so, you know, I was always very happy and, and vice versa for, for us to say, well, I'm doing this today. I'm seeing these people. I'm with my family oh okay great I'll talk to you at this time and then so we became part of each other's lives without being each other's lives and I think in terms of the actual emotions like I think the trying to find that balance is a way to cope with the emotions but kind of I think we've probably veered off a little bit back to the original yeah. question of the emotions and, and how to cope I mean we've talked a lot about how to cope but there's there's a great deal of uncertainty and insecurity for a lot of people you know Rich kind of mentioned about trust but I think it goes deeper than that. You know, a long distance relationships requires you to, to live only on words and pictures and, you know, each other's voice. You don't have, I mean, sexual stuff aside, just the physical, you know, comfort of someone holding your hand or, you know, cuddling you, you know, there's all these elements of relationship that you are don't really... don't know what they smell like. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you've met, you do. Well, we if didn't. you've met, but yeah. <laughs> but I think it's finding ways to compensate for all the areas that are lacking when you're apart. And that takes a lot of creativity. I mean, we would play games online together. We would, you know, just have normal conversations and try and forget that we weren't in the same room. So I think it's a, it is a balancing act and it's, it takes a lot of creativity to get through it in a positive way. So, so it sounds like you guys are really good at being there for each other even even when we were far away from each other like if you understood that the other is in some kind of need you would put aside your needs wake up at 3 a.m and and be there for each other yeah i yeah. mean that was a priority but we got very um we got and i think you know i think maybe we were very in tune i the example that always sticks out to me was what we used to talk on webcam and I discovered and you did this thing with your thumbs. Yeah, I just, if I'm kind of anxious or nervous, I sit there and kind of rub my fingernails and I don't, didn't even know, know I did it. So I picked up on that through webcam. And I, so I can, I can tell there's something you're not telling me because you're doing this thing with your thumbs. And, you know, it's just, and- And he still doesn't know, we'll be sitting watching a film and I'm sitting there thinking about something. He's like, what's wrong? And it's <laughs> nothing, we're and fine, no, you're not. But it, you know, I, I, that's no superpower, it's just paying attention, you know? But I think the, the point is that, um, we, like Anne just said, if, you, if you're committing to that kind of distance, you're not looking for a one night stand. You know, you're, there, there's something on a personal level that, that connects you. So we just really kind of 
we paid attention to each other to, to, on that personal level. And I, and I don't know if part of that, um, again, there's that huge, you know, it's a, it's a big thing. You're not going to go into it for a casual fling. But I think we both very early on understood that the level of the sacrifice that what ended up being me making to move, you know, immigrate to another country. Um, and I think that's something that Rich very early on recognized that he could not take for granted. You know, if I was willing to pursue this relationship in the same way he was, but pack up my whole family or my whole life into three suitcases and, and move to a country that he had to be there for me. And that's something that we talked about a lot and is still a thing. You know, I'm, his family is lovely and wonderful and we have great friends, but my support system that I always had growing up and in my young adult years isn't here. So he knows that he has to step up. He has to be that support system. And I think it's magnified because we came from a long distance background, but that's true of any relationship. You know, when you get married or you have a committed relationship, that is your role. And I remember talking to my mom as a little kid, you know, I think I was ill and she was taking care of me. And, and I said, Oh, like how, like, I think my grandma had passed away. And I said, you know, how, like, don't you just want your mom when you don't feel good? Like who takes care of you? And she said, well, when you get married, you want your partner or your spouse to be that person for you. It changes. And so we were forced into that by circumstance. But I think that that's something that couples maybe struggle to get to that level or understand that that is their role, you know, in, in the relationship to offer that to each other. Our, our listeners, some of them live uh, uh, like in this situation, not nowadays with the pandemic, but, uh, you know, in prior days where one side of the couple will actually travel for work, uh, sometimes for long stretches of time for all sorts of, of, of uh, activities for their companies. And, uh, and then, you know, they need to, even if it's just, you know, two weeks or four weeks or whatnot, they need to leave separately, and then they need to reconnect. What are some of the tips and advices that you've uh, shared with your listeners and from your experience and uh, that you've researched that you can give people in that situation? Yeah, it's a really interesting point because uh, one of the things that we, one of the examples like they've mentioned is, you know, like military spouses where someone's on deployment or whatever. And funny enough, we, we briefly had this. I had a job earlier this year and I was only gone for one night. I to, <laughs> that doesn't count. I had to go to Germany for one night. We were like, this is really weird. This is the first time we've done anything like this in years, you know. Um, but so the, I think it depends on how long they're going to be apart. Like you said, if you're talking two weeks, compared to my example of one night, if it's one night, it's, hey, enjoy yourself. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> but um, yeah, for two weeks. Um, some of the things we talk about is we, you know, it's, it's a really good opportunity to, if we, if we go down the sort of the sexual route, it's kind of more teasing and flirtatious, um, you know, maybe take advantage of the technology to send suggestive pictures and things like that. But um, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, a, it is a great way. It's a little bit tantalizing. It's a bit different, but I think um, also just being, it's, it's when it comes into the planning is really important. If you know you're going to be away for two weeks, it's important to look at your schedule and say like, you know, I want to keep in touch with you while I'm away, you know, especially if you have children, you know, and, and one person's at home with the children, you, you, you can't just not talk for two weeks, you know, you need to have conversations. So it's kind of sitting down and having a plan that, okay, this day I'm not going to be, I'm in back to back meetings. I won't be able to talk this day. I'm traveling, but these days, I'm free at these times. So let's make sure we have a FaceTime or a family conversation or, you know, now 
obviously people aren't going to maybe be traveling for work as much, but there's platforms where you can play games and, and do things like that. But if so you, if you've set that expectation that I'm not available these days, we also found that's, that's a good opportunity to surprise them. So if you're between meetings, you can leave them a voicemail that they're not expecting. And, oh, you know, it's nice to hear your voice. It's nice to hear that message. Um, and I think also, it's also an opportunity to like, so Andrew went back to America for one week without me a few years ago. Yeah. And it was an opportunity for me to miss her. We don't really have that opportunity anymore. And then you kind of, it gives you time to reflect on, on who you've married. And, and suddenly I'm, because I'm the only one in the house, I'm realizing all the things I now have to do for myself that I don't normally have to do. So you, you get this appreciation. And I made, um, Jim Ryan made that, um, that video. slide it's like yeah. a slideshow of like sort of our journey like pictures so that was something not for, she was completely unaware of it obviously i hadn't mentioned it but when she came back it was hey let's sit down and and reconnect and we can watch this together so i think the time apart beyond what you do during that time together is also an opportunity to reflect individually on on the relationship and what they mean to you and how you can demonstrate that and i think when you're apart for periods of time like that you know sporadically it, it is really a testament to absence makes the heart grow fonder. You know, yeah. if, if you do plan it and you make sure you're still in touch and you're respecting each other's needs while you're apart, when you're back together, it's, oh my God, I've missed you. I, I'm so glad you're here. Let's have a date night. Let's do this. Whereas with normal long distance, absence is just too much. It doesn't make it it's just too hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, I really relate to what you're saying. When I was younger in Israel, we have this military... Uh, I forget how it's called, but like, we go away for like a month. And I, I, I recognize that it actually makes us miss each other and it uh, helps us grow together. But there was also a challenge of coming back together and needing to get used to each other in a way. Do you have yeah. any tips on that how long will transition? You, how long would you be apart? Between two weeks to one month, two to four weeks. Yeah, I think um, yeah, when, we, when we met that Christmas, there was momentary... Weirdness. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess it depends how, where you are in your relationship. You know, if you've been together for years and then you go apart for a month, it's probably not going to be so hard to slot back into that. But if your relationship's, you know, just into a couple of years or less, you know, you, you might well, or have... Or the first time you meet, because the first time you meet, you don't know them as a person. You know, one of the things we talk about too is that there's a difference between who they are and who you picture them to be, who you, who you want them to be. And you can fall in love with your idea of a person and it not actually be who they are. And, you know, without going down that rabbit hole of can you fall in love with someone before you meet them, there there is that, that challenge of until you meet in person, you can be taken by surprise of what that actually is like. But I think to get around, whether it's the first time you're meeting or maybe you've only been together for a short amount of time and you've had to be apart for whatever reason, I think, um, again, going back to my planning brain, having something planned that you're going to do together, I think can really make things feel a bit less awkward because you have a sense of what you're going to go into. So I'm going to pick you up from the airport and then we're going to go have a day at the beach or whatever it is you're going to do. And then you can start putting yourself into that scenario because you know what's going to happen and there's a little bit of predictability. And then you start to slot back into your normal selves and find that again. So I think just having something nice and simple planned to do to each, oops, to, do to each other, Freudian slip, to do with each other, um, 
it really helps kind of break any ice and just remind you that, you know, you are familiar and, and you can kind of go back into your roles quite easily. Nice. Um, so you actually wrote a, a guide uh, that you are helping people with their journeys and with their relationships. Uh, can, this, can you like tell us a little bit about what people can expect uh, in your guide and how will that uh, help them? Yeah. So, but, you know, we, we wrote the guides. Um, the guide came out after we've done so many, we're, we're, close to doing a hundred episodes of the podcast. I mean, we're about 90. Yeah, we are now. So I think we're at 90. Um, and then we, we, you know, we've got blog, blog posts and stuff. So we've, we've got, got a lot of content this, this for free. Um, the guides came about because we thought actually it would be, it would be useful for people to have this in one consolidated place chronologically and expanded, you know, so rather than listening to episode one and then episode 20 and then 32 and, you know, you kind of pick the ones you want. The guide was designed to be beginning to end from your early days of entering a long distance relationship and coping with people saying, why do you want to do that? What's wrong with them? If, if there's nothing wrong with them, why haven't they got a boyfriend, girlfriend in their own country? Why have they got to get you? All that judgment and difficult questions and frustration, we take them through um, you know, date ideas, communication, things to do while you're apart, meeting for the first time, staying safe, how to avoid catfishes, the challenges nowadays of being pressured to send nude pictures if you don't want to. And, you know, so we really trust that everything in it. We're then all the way through to applying for visas if that's necessary, to um, living, together. living together, deciding who's going to move. And then kind of something that a lot of people don't think about with long distance is you have one end goal and that's to close the, dis to close the distance and be together. But once you've done that, you still have all the challenges of learning to live together and finding a you know, routine that works for you and how suddenly all these things that you thought were amazing are actually getting annoying. And <laughs> but you also, when you close that distance, as we realized um, in real time, if you like, was do you open a new long distance relationship with everyone back, back home? home? So Andy's yeah. now got a long distance relationship with her parents and her friends and her, and her other family. So we talk about that too. So it's really uh, the culmination of all of our experience and tips and, and the response to the, the questions we receive. And it's just in one convenient package that, that people, we kind of wanted it to be a bit of a Bible that people can say, this is my challenge now. Here's a chapter on that. And I think, you know, we, when we sat down to write it again, you know, we were thinking of everything we talked about in the podcast, all the blog posts and all the questions that we were getting from listeners. And then we also thought about what we wish we'd had when we were going through it and thought, what would that look like? And that's what we really tried to put together yeah. with the ultimate guide to long distance relationships. So that it's just, yeah, like you said, a reference that things are feeling stale. You know, how do we keep it feeling fresh? You know, we're not going to see each other again for a month. What do we do? Here's a section on that. And yeah, I think the main thing is it's not just about, it's not just any one thing. It's not just, okay, it's some date ideas, long distance, like, you can get that for free. We, we give you that for free. This is uh, this takes you right through to living happily ever after. We have a little section called living happily ever after. You know, so we think it is probably we, we designed it to be just the most comprehensive, useful book on long distance through to the end. That's that's a, a very, a very important resource, I think, for people that are in this situation to just be supported by the ideas and the tools that are shared there in the book and some of them we've discussed today. I want to thank you guys for, 
for being a part of our journey of looking for generous ways for relationships and for uh, keeping them and sustaining them and, and reinventing them. Uh, clearly, you've been reinventing your relationships uh, a few times already and uh, have been very open about it and vulnerable and shared it. And I just think you're just adorable. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> And, uh, and uh, we will put uh, a, a, a sample chapter, a chapter from, from your ebook that you've uh, generously agreed to share with our listeners in the show notes of today's episode. So if guys, if you're listening and you want to uh, get a, a taste of that ebook, a, a, a very specific episode that might really help you, just go to generousmarriage.com, find today's episode, and you will be able to download that uh, immediately for free. Uh, thank you again uh, for being here, Shachar. Any last? Yeah, thank you very much. That was brilliant. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for having us. It's, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been exciting. <laughs> and see you guys next week on the Generous Marriage Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.